0: Hello and welcome everybody to this edition of the GCNC Worldview. I am Chris Day, your host, co-founder of the Global Cannabis Network Collective, CEO of Gateway Proven Strategies, and your partner in this journey around the world of the global cannabis ecosystem. Um, You know, I was doing some reflection, everybody, on this episode uh, this morning before we hopped on thinking that this is the final episode of season three. Uh, we've been doing this now for almost three years and it's uh, kind of neat to reflect on all of the topics we've covered and frankly, how far the global cannabis conversation overall has come. Um, I wanna thank companies like Grodan and Boveda, um, who have been global sponsors of the GCNC for the last several years. Uh, as well as companies like Ninth Block, who have been very supportive of the Worldview podcast. They're based out of Denver, great advertising and marketing firm, and Thermidor out of the UK, who have become our production partners and um, European support system uh, for the GCNC Worldview as well. So uh, as in business, in podcasts, it takes a village to make all of it happen. So thanks to everybody for all of that. Um, Last episode, we we talked about how um, that previous episode and this one were sort of partners in crime because we were looking at the flow of two things uh, globally. One is the flow of the monetary funds that work with helping deals get done. And this week, we're going to talk about the flow of products. Um, while cannabis is, of course, a product that is legally shipped and moved all around the world uh, every day. It is complex, it's very complicated um, with all of the different jurisdictions and laws. And so this week we're gonna delve into that with some folks who um, have established a a company that really does help uh, empower the supply chain. I wanna welcome Kevin Schultz. CEO of the 357 company uh, to the worldview today. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, Chris, thanks for having us on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So, Kevin, you've had a pretty long history uh, in cannabis. Uh, Mm -hmm. I say that, you know, being a person who, even though it's, you know, a little under 10 years for me, still feels like a long history. And within the legalized cannabis industry, it is for many of us. You were at Verano. You did work at uh, Pharmacan, you're at the 357. Um, tell me a little bit about um, how you got now to where you are and what the impetus has been uh, for your your pathway in cannabis before we jump in, into the company itself.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I guess it's been nine years for me and I and I can always align that with my daughter's birthday because we had just had our daughter in 2014 and, and a week later I was paying my way to get into a cannabis meeting in Illinois that was um, a hopefuls for licensors um, in the audience. And I thought that'd be a good spot to position myself to, you know, meet some folks that were going to get licenses. And, and that's really how I broke into the industry. Um, a couple years later, I came on through Pharmacan to start their wholesale division in Illinois. And uh, really that, that job was bringing products out into the market. And ultimately getting them on the shelves at dispensaries. Um, I had my next uh, stop was at Verano, um, and that was that role was more optimizing sales and operations at a, at a at a national level. And what that allowed me to do was really get into the trenches, get into the grows, get understand yields, understand how raw material moved around facilities, and then ultimately transported to our to our stores and third party dispensaries. So. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's been a great journey. I, I think that moment between 2016 and 19 for those MSOs was explosive. Um, I don't know if we'll see a, a moment like that ever again, but um, it was a great experience, and and here we are now, four years into the three five seven company, specializing in the logistics of those products.
0: Yeah, I think um, you know, talking about the boom cycles, we I often use. Loosely, the tech industry analogy, right, where everybody sort of pegs certain moments is in, in time as the big uh, boom and accelerator. But because of the way the countries and states in the U.S. roll out, um, I think we we certainly saw a huge rush at, at that point. And now I think, as you know, European markets. Um, legalize in adult use i think we'll see another boom probably not like that and then of course at some day if um that point happens where the u.s regulators you know get their head out of wherever it is uh, and start to look at at you know a rational approach to u.s legalization i think we'll certainly see another boom at that point but in the meantime i think all of us just keep working day to day to To keep mm-hmm. things moving and and running around the world, uh, to help you know grow it in a pragmatic sense, and and I think that seems to be where the three five seven company fits in, right? Is yeah. really helping to understand that supply chain, and uh, logistics and and how to fill it. What what have you seen? As you've grown the company and and your team, what have you seen to be the biggest gap in knowledge for uh, organizations that that turn out to be great clients for you? What what is that primary gap that you are filling?
1: Uh, really, that gap I think is folks needing each other in the supply chain and weeding out the bad actors. You know, we have a group of us that are considered pioneers that want to leave a legacy. Um, and then you have a group of players that just want to make as much money as possible, screw as many people as possible along the way, and and get out. Um, you know, because we do ship for every component of the supply chain, we're able to kiss those frogs, uh, so to speak, um, ahead of time, and. And really get a deep understanding for who the players are in each component. And we're very passionate about making those introductions. Um, you know, there are some pol- sense more better sensible policy that needs to be passed as far as moving in process products around the country over state lines, which I think will open up some bottlenecks and get some players to be able to, to do business with each other uh, legally, um, you know, and not operate in a gray area. But I think it's really putting those players together and whether it's a genetics person who's reputable with a grower or or finding someone to buy that biomass off that farmer and it, it's not going to back out of a contract last minute if you yeah. quite a bit, so.
0: Yeah, and I was I was looking, uh, well, we've talked previously about, about the company um, and then I was also doing a little bit of uh, pre-prep before the call and was noticing you've really sort of segmented your offerings within the cannabis space, I think, in into a couple of buckets. You've got the hemp discussion, you've got the cannabis discussion, and then we've got sort of this international logistics piece that we'll mm-hmm. talk about. But um, I've spent a lot of time over the last couple of weeks in particular talking about the hemp uh, space. One of our event partners at the GCNC is, is the NOCO Hemp Expo, and that just happened right? And I think what you referenced around finding solid players that, you know, you can trust to fulfill the contracts and such has been a challenge uh, in driving it forward. Some of it intentional by bad actors and some of it circumstantial by the complexities of the, of the industry. But as you've worked in that sector, trying to help grow the U.S., um, Sort of domestic supply of hemp. Um, what do you, what do you see happening? Do you do you see this continue to be sort of a growth curve, or do you think that we're sort of DOA at the moment based on the structures that we've got?
1: You know, it's a good question, and and Noco um, proved out what I had a hunch was happening is that we're starting to see a shift to industrial on the hemp side. Um, you know, I think it's much needed. I think we had kind of had that CBD shining ball moment in 2019, where, you know, coming from the cannabis, medical cannabis side of things myself and seeing, you know, state of the art grows. And, and now everyone just throwing thousands of acres out into the, to the outdoor elements and trying to grow high quality flower. You know, I was, it was kind of a oh moment for me, um, you know, and I think some hard lessons were learned. Um, you know, so I, I like that the industry is shifting to the industrial um, side more so I think there's just, it's just an extremely useful plant for those uses, um, you know, but at the same time, we've seen a major uptick in the cannabis side of the plant. Um, internationally, you know, I, I think international, you mentioned it at the beginning and, and the onset that, you know, we're going to see a boom here internationally, you know, we're starting to feel it already. Um, we never expected to be inter- in the international market so soon. Um, but we've kind of organically been taken there and, and it's been nice. So you kind of have the U S going industrial more so international going back to that cannabinoid side. So it's, it's an interesting thing um kind of balance. Um I don't think the cannabinoid side of the hemp plant here domestically is is a is a foregone conclusion, nor nor do I think it's dead on arrival. Um, yeah. You know, I just think we need to figure figure out a better path forward to put out consistent products.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think um you know our our next season, season four that we'll be kicking off will be kicking off in Europe. Uh, this summer, I'll I'll be over there for the next um, well, starting in June through mid to late October, uh, because there's so much activity uh, happening, and there's this nexus that's occurring where you've got you know parts of Africa coming up, you've got Australia, you've got South America, and they're all looking to Europe um, as the future of the industry, since North America is much harder. Uh, to work with at times, um, and specifically, of course, the United States. So one of the key things to making all of that happen, of course, is is figuring out the supply chain and um, how to move those products uh, around the globe and those ingredients around yeah. the globe. Um, I know we've talked with your colleague, Jeremy Powers, who mm-hmm. um, I, I looked I looked for his title on the website, by the way, and it says, I, I'm just going to call him the International Man of Mystery because I'm not quite <laughs> sure what his title is. Um, but I know he does a lot of work in international affairs for you all. but where where are you seeing? where are you seeing sort of the key movement and the key pain points on those international transactions?
1: Well, it's interesting you bring up his title because um, we've just recently tweaked that. Um, <laughs> you know because really, he does a lot of supply chain strategy for us. Um, A lot of Jeremy's job is folks, and we welcome this, reached it out and saying, hey, how do I do this um, legally? And, and, you know, and and he's really good at that. He's been shipping specialty products, pharmaceuticals, electronics, high value products internationally for 20 some years. So um, a lot of that is careful. The reason why he's been successful is carefully planning and making sure paperwork and different jurisdictions and powers to be are all you know, on the same page before we move alone. You know, a lot of times we have folks come to us who are in trouble and, uh, hey, we have something quarantined, can you help us? Um, and, and it's just a lot of times also talking folks out of doing deals that they shouldn't uh, because it's not going to be reproducible and consistent for them. So, um, you know, we're excited. We do a lot of work out of the country of Columbia. Um, at the moment, one of our key partners for growth does a lot of business out of there. Um, And, and we're going to about 20 some odd countries now in and out. Um, we've built out the SOPs for probably another seven or eight. And what I mean by that is we're actively behind the scenes working with these countries in anticipation of a shipment. So when when customers call us, we like to have a lot of that legwork done. And again, we're looking for um, a pathway forward that's gonna be able to be accomplished again and again and not just one time sneak it through. Um, we're We're looking for that consistency and 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 eliminate those barriers of entry ahead of, ahead of time,
0: yeah, and you know we I think we talked about this the very first time we had a conversation, but one of the things that frustrates me a lot um, is when we see companies sort of ship something to themselves, not just um, to test the waters to me, that's a perfectly legitimate uh thing to try and do a pathway. But but then they'll put out a press release talking about how they're the first to market or they're the first <laughs> to do something. And it's like, no, you snuck something through on the back end through with a postage stamp. That doesn't count, man. That's not right how you drive business. But you know, they want to boost their stock price or they want to get some investment capital in. Sure. And that's the kind of shady stuff I think we all have to to look out for. And again, there is a difference. I need to, for all my friends out there who have said, hey, I've done that, but not in a sneaky way. I get that. It's not all, some of it's really just testing pathways and I get it. But when you're using it to drive investment, that's the stuff that hurts the industry overall. And why we need to champion uh, companies like the 357 company that really are helping to drive legitimate duplicatable pathways to shipping around the world and working transparently with governments, um, yep. not in an adversarial way, but to say, look, this is happening. This is an industry. It's legal here and it's legal there. How do we connect the dots? Um, I love seeing that because it is very much uh, what the industry needs overall uh, to, to be successful. and.
1: Yeah, we, I'm certainly we, a fan
0: of the Colombian market and how they're yeah. how they're proceeding.
1: Yeah, we see folks, you know, after the fact, show us bill bill of ladings where they thought they had cargo insurance that covered their products. Um, the class of freight was categorized discreetly wrong purposely. Um, you know, we, we have the same methodology we took in 2019 here in the States where, you know, everyone said the farm bill says I can do it. I said, okay, well, have you checked with the states to see if they have any extra asks? I, I know we could go to court and probably defend ourselves that this was legal, but why not ask? And, and a lot of the times it was a simple, you know, extra step that, you know, a state like Florida was asking to stop at a checkpoint or, you know, go off the total THC formula or, or not bring soil into the state. And, you know, we really took it, took it upon ourselves to go and, and, and check out in each state what they were looking for. And that's the same process we're doing uh, globally as well yeah
0: that's great um have you and i didn't tell you i was asking this question before we got on so if the answer is i'm not Uh sure that's totally legit no i'm i'm wondering if you've seen any uptick in um legal shipments between um africa uh, into the European market, Asia, I've seen a lot of talk and traction there. We've certainly had a, some conversations about it, but um, on the operational side and, and really seeing legit, legitimate shipments, have, have you seen or, or gotten any traction in those markets?
1: I would call it an increase to chatter. Um, you know, a lot of times we're at the mercy of the deals consummating. Um, so we'll do a lot of the legwork, especially in the Asian countries now, you know, South Korea and Japan, um, two of them in particular, that we feel like we have those SOPs um, developed. Um, unfortunately, a couple of those deals are still pending and a couple yeah. of them have fallen through. Um, I'd say Africa a little bit less, um, but, you know, the, we're definitely starting to get that same feel you're getting um, okay. where, you know, those conversations are starting to um, take place.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's why I ask because your position in the market is um, the culmination of chatter, right? It's mm-hmm. where chatter turns to transactions, and i right. um, I always look for the leading indicators and then the actual indicators that are tr- that are tracking business, and and that's why I ask, um, you know, South America, Colombia in particular, was the hot topic uh, when, when we were launching the podcast. Uh, we talked a lot about Colombia, and the aspirations were all, um, we're going to ship product to Europe, but nobody was doing it yet outside mm-hmm. of a couple of press releases. Like it was yeah. earlier. And now of course I, that's really culminating and start and moving in in very
1: tangible ways. So. Yeah. I'd say cu- countries like Portugal, Switzerland, Ecuador, um, you know, just to name a few that are really starting to pop off, so to speak. Um, yes. But um, yeah, we're, we're we're definitely um, looking forward to seeing some new new countries come online. Um, what's interesting in the in the international market is everything is cannabis right outside of industrial. There's not this big fight between point three and below. Is, is it has to be hemp? You know everything is cannabis and and yeah you have your thresholds of THC on what's allowed. Um, we have countries that are we're shipping medical grade flour that's extremely high THC. And, um, you know, the agreements between the, the two countries medically allow for it. So um, it's refreshing um, to, yeah. to work in a, in a market that treats the plan as it should be.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Getting rid of inaccurate botanical descriptions that some politician made up would be helpful for all of us. Um, yeah. I, I, I concur. Um, and it is refreshing. I was having a conversation just yesterday. Um, now that I, I live when I'm not on the road, uh, I live in, in Mexico. I've been watching that market sort of develop its conversations and Mm -hmm. really trying to figure out the supply chain logistics for industrial hemp, um, while they figure out everything else, uh, has, has been an interesting challenge, um, but you come at you come at these markets, you know where they are, and within the cultures that apply and uh, help to drive them with local partners, and it makes sense. And I, I think that's what I appreciate about your work, uh, about Jeremy's work, is that you're trying to work with the systems that exist, not um, break them, or you know even bend them to to what you think they should be. You're working with them as it is. And that's the reality of business and how we transact it. So um, that's why I love having you guys on at the GCNC because that kind of expertise, frankly, is very hard to find in the world right now. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And we're doing a lot of advocating behind the scenes for the industry too. Um, I'm on the board of directors for the Hemp Alliance of Tennessee um a lot of those folks are doing some great work in washington you know with the hemp round table and and we're really trying to as we as we see the bottlenecks how do we open them up and and go about that the right way and rather than just bursting through and saying i can do this it's a gray area but you know i'll win in court you know that's never right. been our approach and i don't think that's sustainable long term for our industry or the right way to do it with our climate here in in the united states
0: Yeah, well, or frankly, anywhere. I mean, the people that make a lot of money when you do it that way are the lawyers. And, um, you know, that bless them. I have several lawyers who are business partners who I love. But um, really, for the businesses to succeed, we've got to move product. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I appreciate that a lot. Well, listen, um, I always ask sort of a crystal ball uh, question at the end. I like to get um, people's opinions on where they see the biggest movements uh, in, in the globe and domestically. So, you know, from where you sit and, uh, in the, in the middle of driving the supply chain, where do you see currently the biggest opportunities, uh, within the United States and then outwardly, um, you know, where, where do you think the next, uh, largest opportunity for your business and actually moving product between states, countries, and continents is?
1: So when we first started the company, we shipped a lot of biomass. So it was mostly cannabinoid, you know, side of the, the industry. And as of, I'd say probably the last three or four months, we're shipping more and more industrial products um, from seeds to herd to uh, fibers. And and for us, you know, the busier we get, we only get busier when there's more product to ship. And And I see a tremendous amount of volume coming online that need our services. So that helps, that helps drive our revenue, that helps keeps us, keep us busy. Um, you know, I do see a fair amount of isolates still moving around, but those seems to be more spotty. Um, we do have a significant amount of inbound isolate coming into Florida um, from countries like Columbia that also keeps us busy here domestically. Um, I'd say internationally, you know, more on that cannabinoid side, even high THC flower, Coming out of countries like Colombia as well, you know, where the climate is more conducive to growing, and, and um, you know, you have all these countries, you know, it, it asking for the product versus just you know pockets of of pe- folks here domestically. So, you know, I think the combination of industrial domestically and then the cannabinoid side of of flower, in particular, um, internationally, is what's really going to be interesting to watch over the next year and what's really keeping us really busy.
0: That's great. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. I, yeah. I love getting your perspective on it because you're, you are actually driving these deals uh, around the world and helping to operate you know, the logistics behind them. Uh, when we did our annual planning session at the beginning of the year uh, for, for the GCNC, we talked about how do we want to really evaluate um, what we provide our members this year and the last couple of years, we've talked a lot about emerging markets, big picture stuff. But um, this year, we really wanted to get into uh, the details of how to drive business and tactically how to get things done. Um, and if there's a company at the heart of doing all that, uh, you know, it, it certainly is you and the 357 company. So thanks so much for the elaboration and the conversation. and. Um, you know you want to tell people
1: how to get a hold of you yeah sure you can reach out to us um, via phone 844-357-SHIP or hit our website up at 357company.com you can just request a meeting which we highly encourage even if you don't have anything to ship let's meet each other Um, there might be some introductions we can make for you Um, but of course if there's something pending that you need to move you know we're we're ready um, when you are so um, you could also request a quote on the website, too, if you just want to jump to that step in the process. So um, we're looking forward to meeting more folks in the supply chain. We're hoping to get on the road um, internationally, too, with a couple events this year as well. So I appreciate Great. you having us on, Chris, and, and bringing attention to what we feel is the circulatory system of the supply chain logistics. So um, we're, we're excited.
0: Couldn't agree more. Thanks so much. Hopefully you'll be joining us uh, in Berlin or London, either of those shows this year. There's some great stuff going on um, around the world. So thanks, everybody. Don't forget to uh, subscribe and follow us. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be talking to you soon with the, with the next episode of the GCNC Worldview.